You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. This week when I was preparing this message for you all, I was thinking about Cold Lake and and how it's a really important place for me. I know some of you have come here with the military, have come here against your will, that sometimes <laughs> Cold Lake is uh, seen as almost a black sheep community um, in certain areas, and we're really far away from Edmonton. Three hours is, is a pretty good trek to get to a major center. And uh, that was never been my, that's never been my experience at Cold Lake. But I grew up in Calgary, but I spent every summer coming to Cold Lake to visit my grandfather, and it was always, always our main family vacation. And so for me, when I think of Cold Lake, I have lots of good memories. I, I have memories of hanging out on the beach, of being out on the lake during the warm, hot summers, fishing and swimming and boating and tubing, and all good memories. And, uh, and needless to say that uh, I hope that as you engage and become part of this community, that it would be a place that um, becomes a special place for you too because you're not here by happenstance. God has a plan for you. And if you're sitting here in this room this morning, I know it's because God would have you here. And so I would just like to thank you for allowing me to speak and to share. And um, I'm very honored to be able to speak here at my home church. start off with a word of prayer. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for your word. God, I thank you for the work of the Gideons that they're doing to bring your word, God, to people that do not have it. Father God, that they're bringing Gideons and putting them in front of people where they least expect it in their hospital room sometimes in a, in a hotel. And God, I thank you that your word is alive and active and working in us to make us more like you. God, I pray that we would be transformed and sanctified by your truth, for your word is truth. May we be ready and willing to respond to you as you choose to move here at Cola Community Church and in this region. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we kicked off this year um, with a time of prayer and fasting like we have for, for many years. And it was really encouraging to see the number of people that were out this year every single night for a time of corporate prayer. It really was a good time. And God moved, and I know he definitely spoke to my heart this year. And on a personal note, when I came to our corporate prayer evenings and our times of worship, to be honest, I was primarily here to pray for myself. I had kind of a selfish motivation. And uh, specifically, I was praying that God would move in my life and that the fruits of the Spirit would be more evident in me. And the fruit that I was specifically praying for was the fruit of self-control. And I know that in my life over the last couple of years, I've definitely not been as disciplined in my eating and exercise habits as I would like. And uh, it's not just because of Christmas, unfortunately. I wish I could blame it on that. <laughs> but, and I don't have a baby growing in my belly, so I don't, I don't, I don't have the same uh, excuse that my, my wife can use on that one. But I pray to God that he would move in me and that I would have self-control in all areas of my life, in my body, in my mind, and my spirit. 
However, on the second night of prayer, I really felt convicted, and I felt God redirect my prayer and say, stop praying for yourself. I got you. I want you to pray for this community. I want you to pray for this church. I want you to pray for those who don't know you, the people that we bump shoulders with every single day in the grocery store, at our places of work. And I began to pray for revival. To be honest, I never really liked the word revival. Sometimes there's some negative associations with it. We all have ideas of, of what a revival could be and what it, and what it is. And I've never been in, involved in a ministry that I would call a quote-unquote revival. And so I had a lot of questions. I was saying, God, if you were going to move in a powerful way in Cold Lake, what would that look like? What would it look like for our community? What would it look like flowing from Cold Lake Community Church? When I say the word revival, what comes to your guys' mind? Do you guys think of tent meetings? Yeah? Do you guys think of just people flooding the churches? Coming for salvation. The spirit of repentance just moves. People are convicted of their sin. And they come to the churches seeking salvation. Maybe some of you imagine in your mind a healing anointing flowing. And people being healed physically people being healed mentally of mental illness. You see addictions broken off, the power of God moving in powerful ways, sinful habits, the desires to do those things just dissipating, being replaced by love and being replaced with the desire to worship God and to serve Him, a spirit of selflessness to serve others and serve their community. You see, I believe that God is going to move in Cold Lake in a powerful way over these next few years. But may I suggest that revival may look a little different than what we think it might. In the Gospel of John, the first chapter, it says this, And him was life, and life was light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. That when Jesus came, so many people missed him the first time. They had preconceived ideas. The Jewish people had preconceived ideas of what the Messiah was going to be, what he was going to do, and what that was going to look like. And when Jesus, the Son of God, the Word made flesh, dwelt among them, many of them missed it. Many of them missed what God was doing in that moment. It says a little farther down in, chapter 11, in verse 11, that he came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. This morning... My prayer is that we would need not be caught up in preconceived ideas of how God should move. And that if he doesn't move in a certain way, that we think he sh the way that we think he should or that we've been praying, that somehow it's not God or it's not as powerful as what we think it should be. But my message is this, essentially, in essence is this, that we would see revival come as we continue to walk in the light, seeking God's face as a community, his kingdom, his righteousness, but always in the context of community. I believe that God wants to move through the local church and that when God decided how he was going to make himself known, how he was going to change the world, he chose to do it by establishing the church. And that is you and I. It's not these four, four walls of this building, but it's the people. It's the people that choose to serve him and love him. And God wants to use us through his Holy Spirit working through our lives to transform this nation, and specifically the community of Cold Lake. On the second night of prayer and fasting, 
I uh, made a quick trip to the bathroom right before we came up to the front for a time of uh, corporate prayer. And uh, in the men's room, as half of you will know, we have some posters up on the wall, some, some decorating, and um, they have some scriptures on them. And uh, anyhow, this, this one evening I went in and I, I saw a poster on the wall. And it was Second Chronicles 7.14, and it says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, forgive them of their sin, and will hear their land. When I read this, I was just kind of floored. It kind of made me laugh because I've seen this poster probably at least 20 times. I know many of you have as well. I had a joke about uh, spiritual poster placement, but my wife told me that I should stay away from the bathroom humor. So I'll, I'll do that. I think she's a wise woman, and, and I'll, I'll stick with that. But when, when I read this scripture, it really just resonated in my heart. And I've been praying for revival that very evening. And I believe that God was speaking to me and he was saying, humble yourselves, pray and seek my face like you're doing, and repent and live a holy life, and I'll move among you. My spirit will move. When you guys read Old Testament scriptures, do you sometimes wonder if and how those scriptures apply to us as believers today, people that are non-Jewish believers? I know sometimes when I read the Old Testament and there's a promise of God, I think, God, does that apply to me? Or is that something that applies specifically to the land of Israel, to the people of Israel? And so when I went home that night, I began to reread Second Chronicles. I began to look at the, the context of which it was written. And at this time in Jewish history, Solomon had just completed the temple of the Lord. And the Lord was declaring some promises over Solomon and the Jewish people. And he was saying to Solomon that if you will worship me like your father did, like King, like King David, and you won't fall into idolatry and you will worship me, and no other gods, that I will bless your reign. I will bless your humanly reign. And he also made this promise here in 714, that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray and seek me, and turn from, my, from their sin, that I will move amongst them too, and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. I went home and I began to read a couple commentaries to see, you know, is this a promise that we can apply to ourselves as, as believers today in the 21st century? as many of us non-Jewish people who are grafted in to the family of God by faith in Jesus because of the atoning work of, Je of what Jesus did on the cross, that we are saved and part of the family of God. And I began to notice a couple things. One that um, almost all of them that made any parallel to today 100% said, yes, if God's people will humble themselves and pray and seek after him and turn from their sin and repent, and live holy lives that God will move. Where there was a couple things that I read about the healing of the land that um, some people felt that the healing portion of the scripture may apply specifically to Israel and to the lands of Israel. Um, some didn't specify that. But either way, that's not really going to affect the message that I want to share with you today that I would like to put most of the emphasis on the first part of the scripture here in Second Chronicles. There's a few things that I'd like to point out about the scripture that I see. Number one is this, that God is calling people to himself. 
that God wants to have relationship with us, personal relationship with each one of us. Number two, that it's a corporate call. That it writes here, my people, plural, who are called by my name. That this is not simply a call to an individual person or to these select few, the ones that are the most righteous or, 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 or even the, the priests of the temple. But that what's amazing thing about God is that when we're restored into right relationship with God and we're reconciled back and we are pursuing God with everything, that our relationships with people are also mended, that our relationships are restored with other people, that God moves in us and that translates into us impacting the people around us through, through the power of his spirit working in our lives. And point number three, that God requires a humble and repentant people that we must turn from our sin, that God calls us to be holy as he is holy. For blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Last week, Pastor Hayward spoke on the filling of the Holy Spirit and and living a spirit-filled life. And he shared about the day of Pentecost when the apostles were gathering together and praying, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they began to speak in tongues. may not have been last week, but over the last few weeks, he's been um, referencing Acts 2. And Peter stands up in the crowd because people begin to mock him, saying, all oh, these people are just, just drunk. Don't listen to them. And Peter begins to share from the Old Testament scriptures, begins to share from the book of Joel, the prophet Joel, and explain that, in fact, Jesus of Nazareth, who had just been crucified by the Jewish people and through Pontius Pilate and the Romans, that, in fact, he is the Messiah, that he is the very one who is to be the Lamb of God slain for the sins of the world. And he begins to reference the book of Joel and how Jesus fulfilled prophecy. And then he begins to speak and share that they need to know Jesus and that they need to repent and turn from their sin and pursue Jesus. And um, it's an amazing thing. And all of a sudden here, we find ourselves in verse 36. It says, therefore, Let the house of Israel know that for certain God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent each of you and be baptized in the name of of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you, your children, and all who are far off, as many as the Lord will call unto himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day they were added about 3,000 souls. Pastor Hayward touched on this last week and said, 3,000 souls, bring it. Yes, God, let there be 3,000 souls. And to be honest, Pastor Hayward, in my flesh, when I heard you say that, this is kind of what came to my mind. Like... Lord, God, I'm not ready. 3,000, could you imagine 3,000 people storming the church? Like, this could get real serious real quick. This could be almost mob-like. And uh, it would be an amazing thing, but in my flesh, it was a little bit scary just to think about. But what I realized when I began to reflect and pray on this was that it would change my life 
when God moves, lives are changed. And as a member of this church, my life would change because God would then put a demand on me to step up, step up to the plate. There'd be a demand on my time, on my energy, on my family. And it would very likely turn my life upside down in a way that's very inconvenient. You see, don't get me wrong, my prayer is absolutely that God would move however He wills. And I desire that His Spirit would be poured out so that people would return to Him who've walked away. And people who've never known Jesus as their Lord and Savior would come to Him and receive salvation and know Jesus and receive that eternal life which He promises. That's absolutely my prayer. But I felt challenged, God asking me, are you willing, that I will move, but are you willing for your life to be inconvenienced? You see, I understand that God will move whether I'm ready or not, that God's will will be done. But what's kind of amazing about God is that sometimes he will ask us to step into things that we're not fully comfortable with that he will do things that will stretch us and challenge us. And I believe why God does this is that it forces us to step out and depend on him, to lean on his spirit moving in our life so that we're not depending on ourselves and our own ability to make things happen. Because we are very limited. We can only do so much. And in fact, Jesus says that if you do not do anything in love, that it's useless. And if it's not done through him, it's also useless. So I began to reflect on this, this idea of revival, of, of lives being changed here in Cold Lake. And the question came to me, if these 3,000 people are going to come and storm the church, where are these 3,000 people going to come from? How are they going to get here? Have you guys ever prayed for revival? come to the church, gather together, pray that God would move and just have this expectation that people will just storm the church like I was talking about? I know that I have definitely approached praying for revival in this way before. And I believe that um, God is teaching me something about revival and about making myself available to him so that not only will revival come, but it'll flow through us. That evening when we got together at the front, a gentleman in our church stood up and began to pray for revival. And I was like, yes, God, this is what you've been showing me, to pray for revival. And he said, God, may revival start with us. May it start with your church. And my spirit just kind of lapped. It was like, yes, God, may this be true. May revival begin with us. So I began to reflect on, on, on the Acts church. The Spirit began to move, and people began to come to, to the Lord in thousands. Day by day, they were being added. And so I asked God, Lord, what exactly did you do? How did the church manage this? Because to me, in my mind, I'm thinking, if 3,000 people came, how on earth would we manage that type of growth? Realistically, if we have all these new believers, who's going to disciple them? Who's going to teach them? Who's going to raise them up and bring them to a place that they can now be mature in their faith and disciple and, and raise up someone else? And this is a real question. If God were to bring 3,000 people to the doors of the churches in Cold Lake, would we be prepared 
to serve them as God is asking us to? And would we be willing? Really, would we be willing to give of our life, to serve people in that way? So in the Acts Church, what exactly happened? How did they manage this church growth? Well, first we know that the apostles and the followers were being filled with the Spirit. We know that the church began to grow in an unprecedented way and that people were believing and putting their faith in Jesus Christ as the Messiah every single day by the thousands. But here in verse 42 of the second chapter, it says this, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. You see, the church was devoted to teaching of the apostles and to fellowship. And many of you here in this church are devoted uh, members of this church. You come and you serve in all sorts of ways, and you make this service and the church function in an amazing way. And we just want to thank you this morning for all that you do, especially those whose work doesn't always get recognized. Sometimes you're in the back. Sometimes you're working with kids. You're doing administrative roles, and sometimes you don't always get noticed. But believe me, your work is important, and we do appreciate you, everything that you do. But we gather together on Sundays like this so that we can hear God's Word, that we can hear teaching that will encourage us, that will challenge us, equip us to live lives boldly for Jesus so that we can see His kingdom expanded and that His love go out into the community. However, based on many of the conversations that I've been having recently with people in the church, I began to realize this, that many of us are devoted to coming here on Sunday mornings. We're devoted to hearing Pastor Hayward's teaching. But many people are struggling still to make solid friendships and relationships within the context of this local church. And I know it's challenging that as the church grows, it's hard to, to maintain the close-knit level of of community and that closeness that this church had years ago when there was 80 people. That there's new dynamics, things going on. And it's easy to sneak into church on a Sunday morning, not really have any meaningful connection with someone, and to sneak back out. And guys, this is important. I really believe that this is so important that we devote ourselves not only to teaching, to coming together to worship God together on a Sunday morning, that we equally devote ourselves to fellowship with one another, that we begin to grow and be intentional in the way that we develop and build our community. This morning, I wanted to emphasize the importance of supporting each other as we walk through life, and if our community is going to be changed through God's moving through His Spirit in our lives, that we must be able to love and depend and walk with each other. And it's got to be something that's more than just a handshake on a Sunday morning. And I understand we live in a busy time, that many of us have challenging work schedules. Some of us work out in the oil field and work long hours and work away from home. Many of you will be um, involved in many extracurricular activities of your kids, maybe your kids in, in hockey and soccer and other sports. But we have to continue to live life together and devote ourselves to fellowship with one another. So what exactly is fellowship? What do I mean by fellowship? It's exactly that, just simply walking and living life with one another, praying with one another, having friendships, and people that we go to, that we depend on, that, that encourage us and we encourage them. Acts 2 describes fellowship taking place within the church 
as this, breaking bread in their homes and eating meals with one another, they came together with glad and sincere hearts. Are we putting as much of an emphasis on getting together and having, building strong relationships within our body as we do coming here on a Sunday morning? Because I believe it's important. If we are going to see God move, we have to be able to depend on one another, to raise each other up, disciple each other, encourage one another. Because if we're not doing it now, if God were to move and this place were to all, all of a sudden double in a month or even a year, if we're not doing it now, is it reasonable to expect that we'll step up and do it then? I don't know. To put, to put it this way, I know years ago when I was interning at the church, I wasn't really making a, a salary. We were a pretty small, small church. And I had to depend on God for everything financially. And God stepped up and people in this church helped, helped me a lot. But I can tell you this, that it was easy to give because my heart was conditioned to be thankful to God for everything that I have and I recognized him with everything. But as soon as I began to work and make my own money and exchange my time for money, something shifted in me. And slowly over time, when I'd be at church or I'd be at something and I felt a need to give, all of a sudden there was some hesitation there. All of a sudden something shifted where the spirit of generosity had somehow changed. Maybe it left me in a, in a way that I had stopped acknowledging God and began to depend on my own ability to provide for myself financially. And I believe sometimes this happens in other areas of our lives as well, just in general. That when we stop acknowledging God in everything, as the source of everything, that sometimes we view our own time as, as mine. And we view our own our own, our own life choices as our choices. But as followers of Christ, we're called to follow him, not to dictate to him how he should move in our life and schedule him certain blocks of our week, but we are meant to live in fellowship with God every day and to be led by his spirit and to do his will on this earth. You've often heard Pastor Hayward say this, that there's no Lone Ranger at Coley Community Church. And I believe this is true that there should be something that we aim for, that we live life in community. And in fact, Kola Community Church is the place where families connect. It's who we are. It's, it's, it's our slogan, and it's something that we're growing in together, and it's something as a very, that fellowship is, is a vital part of our church. The Gospel of John 13, verse 34 to 35 says, This a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. As followers of God, we're called to love God with everything. With everything we have and love our neighbor as ourself. And this type of love that Jesus demonstrated to us is not the type of fleeting love that's based on a reciprocal experience where, you know, I'll love you and you better love me back. And if you stop loving me back in the way I think you should, then we're done. That God's relationship is different. God is a covenant God. And the contractual type of relationships that we have in our society and business and that we bring into marriage relationships, that's not the way it's supposed to be. There was a day when you could shake a man's hand and that deal was done. That was the equivalent of a legal contract. And that couldn't be broken. And if it was, everybody would know about it. And life would not be good for you from that point on.
we have to love one another. We're called to a higher level of love in the world, a sacrificial one, one in which we're willing to lay down our life for each other. That's a pretty crazy type of love. I know many of us would have that love for our children, but look to the person to your left and to your right. Do you have that same sort of love for them? <laughs> would you die for them? If you saw that they were about to be run over, would you run and turn into Supergirl or Superman, push him out of the way and sacrifice yourself to save your neighbor? For most of our children, we have that type of love. We would do that for them. For the person next to us, God calls us to have that type of love for one another. And the world will recognize us as people who love God and love others. And that will transform lives. It will. It's interesting that we live in an age that we're more connected digitally than ever, because so many of us are so disconnected from each other than ever. And we're lacking meaningful relationships with one another. That there's a loneliness that sets in, that a text message does not fix, that a Facebook message does not cure, but that we need to get together as people. If we're going to see this world change, it has to start with us here in this community. Just move on. Times I'm expanding a lot more than I planned. First uh, John one five to seven says this: God is light, and in Him there's no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. It says this also a little farther down in chapter two verse one. My little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. You see, as people of God, we are called to seek a life of godliness and seek after righteousness. We're called to be holy as God is holy. And all of us, at times, will walk in the flesh, will mess up. And I know my wife would be the first person that could tell you that I'm not a perfect husband or a perfect father. But the amazing thing is this, that when we walk in relationship and love, that I can come to my wife, acknowledge where I fall short, and ask for forgiveness. And I can then take that to the Lord, and I can ask him for forgiveness. And I can know that I'm forgiven. It doesn't mean the pain's gone for either one of us. But I can know that I, I am right in the eyes of the Lord. This is an area where God's grace is more than sufficient. And I, as I acknowledge my shortcomings, God will move through our life, through my life and through yours, as you do also. And an um, important thing here, too, that I want to emphasize is that we must depend on God to give us the strength to overcome the shortcomings in our life. That as we make mistakes... The Bible has made it very clear throughout, especially the epistles, that it's not okay to live life, a life of sin and a life that's dishonoring. Many times it says, do not do as the Gentiles do. But he calls us to a higher standard of living. And when we put our faith in Jesus Christ and trust him to forgive us of our sins, we become born again. We become, like we said this morning so eloquently, that we become a new creation that we were once spiritually dead in our trespasses and our transgressions, but that we're reconciled back to God and that we're made new. 
and we're given eternal life. Eternal life described by Jesus in John chapter 17 is this, to know the Father and the Son whom he sent. However, as we continue to walk in our fleshly bodies sometimes, we'll still be tempted. God didn't take the temptation away. In fact, he said, God, I pray that you would not take them out of the world, but that they would remain in the world and that you'd keep them from the evil one. See, as the church, we're not called to be set apart from the world and isolated from the world, but to be in the world, but not of the world. And sometimes, some of the worldliness kind of creeps in there, and sometimes we isolate ourselves from the world and we increasingly become looking more like the world. And we see that in areas like divorce, for example. The divorce rates are very similar within the church as they are outside of the church. And there's a certain acceptance for certain types of behaviors sometimes within the church as there is outside of the church. But God calls us to a higher standard. And this is where Christian fellowship is vital. That when we have struggles and problems and habits of sin in our life, strongholds, what do we do? When you have a rough patch in your marriage or your struggling relationship with your kids, who do you turn to? Who's the shoulder that you fall on? When you suffer tragedy and loss in your life, who are you turning to for support? You see, it's my hope that everybody who calls Coley Community Church their home church would have their people. Their people in this body, in this congregation that are their go-to people that they live life with that they share their lives with, that they walk closely with on a daily and a weekly basis. And we all have to have this. People that we walk in love and grace, but not judgment, that people that we can come to when we're struggling with a sin issue, they can pray with us, and then we can bring it to God together, and that we can walk in unity. And what's amazing about our church right now is that there is such unity right now, that there's so much diversity of expression of how we choose to worship God, where we all come together on a Sunday morning and we worship the same God in unity, in love, and it's an amazing thing. But as we continue to devote ourselves to teaching, to hearing God's word and being students of God's word, let us not forsake devoting ourselves to fellowship with one another because that's how God is going to restore us and build us up to become the people that we need to be to shape the world around us. And if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. It says in 1 John 2.8, that the truth is not in us. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That we all have mess in our lives that sometimes is not fully given over to God. But as we walk in relationship with one another, in love and in unity, and we come together on a Sunday morning like this to worship God and to draw closer to him, that God will draw us closer to each other if we'll let him, if we're willing. When we sin, we need not hide away in shame or ignore it, hoping that nobody finds out. Or continue in it, thinking that God's grace will cover it. Because that's not what the Bible teaches. But the Bible does teach that we must support and love one another and encourage one another to walk in holiness and to pursue righteousness. I did this little drawing. I made it up last night just as a way to just kind of pull it all together. That as we're people 
that come together to seek God's will for our lives and for our families and for this community, that we would seek God, pursue holiness and righteousness, but always within the context of community, of Christian fellowship and Christian community. And on the outside of this little box, I have words like relationship, fellowship, love, and prayer. And it's my prayer that we would all connect. The Cole Lake Community Church would be the place where we connect on a meaningful, meaningful level that goes beyond a handshake on Sunday morning. Father God, I thank you, Lord, that you chose to change the world and make yourself known through your church. God, that your plan was to restore us into right relationship with you, that by your love and by your grace, that we can come before your throne with clean hands and a pure heart. Father, may we devote ourselves to be students of your word and teachers of your word. And Father, may we also devote ourselves to good Christian fellowship. Lord, I thank you for how you're moving in our lives today. God, I thank you that you are here in our midst. And God, I pray that we would be willing to submit ourselves to you this year. Father God, that we would be willing to devote ourselves to fellowship with one another, that we would make strong friendships that would last a lifetime. And Father God, that we'd be willing for you to move in and through us to see this life, this whole life of the community changed, that you would be known as Lord and Savior of Cold Lake. So I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. After church uh, today, we have a specific time of fellowship, something that we've been doing uh, for a few weeks, um, where we put out some coffee, keep it flowing, some snacks and some goodies out there, and it's there intentionally for us to be able to connect after service. And so if you don't have a reason to sneak out of this building today, would you hang around? If you have your kids in kids' church, would you consider grabbing your kids and maybe connecting with some people? in the church before you leave, make some friendships, and, it's, and let us not leave this place without making at least one connection with somebody this morning. Does that sound good? Awesome. Well, thank you guys. Bless you. You have been listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.